Thank you for listening to the Abundant Life Sermon Podcast. Abundant Life is based out of Lee Summit, Missouri, and has campuses throughout the Kansas City metro area and online. We want to see your life changed by Jesus. For more information about Abundant Life or for locations and service times, visit livingproof.co. Thanks for listening. Good morning, Abundant Life. Happy Mother's Day, wherever you're gathering with us to worship in the world. We are so glad you've gathered on this very special day. So somebody asked this morning, first thing, Pastor Phil, are we back in the book of Daniel? It's Mother's Day. (laughs) Mom gets a day. Yes, does everybody agree? Mom deserves a day, all right? There's something about preaching on the seven beasts out of Daniel chapter seven that just didn't seem appropriate for Mother's Day. I don't know. But we'll be back next week in the book of Daniel. But today we have a very special day as one of the, the godliest mothers I know is here to encourage other godly mothers in the hardest job there is, being a mom. Jay and Heidi St. John, 20 years ago, launched Firmly Planted Ministries where they have encouraged and equipped thousands of families all over our country for the last 20 years to take the most important battle there is, which is in the home, to get off the bench, onto the battlefield, to go to war for our children and the next generation. And Heidi St. John is here today to encourage other moms to do just that. Would you give it up for our friend, Heidi St. John? Thank you. Good morning, Abundant Life. I am so excited to be here. Uh, My husband and I consider this our second home. We hail from the great state of Washington. Uh, Jay and I have been married for 33 years. We have seven children. They range in age from somewhere in the 30s, which I can't talk about anymore, apparently down to uh, about 12 years old. So we're doing the thing in our house we like to call diapers to diploma. Uh, And so we're in it to win it, if you know what I'm saying. So very, very excited to be here, and we're going to spend the next little bit of time just talking about the importance of legacy and what it means to leave a legacy for the next generation. Because what you're doing, Mom, right now in the quiet places of your heart and the not-so-quiet places of your home is that you are raising parents for your grandchildren. And this is something the Lord's been teaching me uh, for the last 30 years as I have just been honored and blessed to be stewarding and shepherding God's children. I want to really quickly just take a second and uh, let you know that my husband's over here somewhere. Where'd he go? Jay, raise your hand. That guy right there. Yeah, you should give it up for him because he's traveling all over the country with me. My husband and I are right now in the fight of our lives. Some of you may have heard this. In fact, I know a bunch of you had because you're talking to me about it at the table, but I am running for Congress in Southwest Washington. So we appreciate your prayers for that. Listen, you know, the Lord told me about a year and a half ago, right before we announced that run, that God's people are needed in every sphere of influence. He needs you in medicine. He needs you in education. You are needed, yes, in politics. God's people need to regain their rightful place in the culture. God has asked you to be salt and light. And you can't be salt and light if you hang out on the four walls of the church. And so we would ask today that you just pray for us and keep us at the forefront of your prayers. What's happening in our country right now is a spiritual battle of epic proportions, and it is requiring that God's people know who they are. And so with that, I'm going to open up in prayer. I never like to start talking without asking the Lord to help me. My kids hear me speaking in my flesh all the time, and they tell me it's not awesome. (laughs) (laughs) See, you guys are like, yeah, she should pray. 
<laughs> so let's go ahead and bow our heads together. Father, I thank you for the opportunity, the amazing blessing that you have given my family and I to be a part of what you're doing here at Abundant Life. Lord, I thank you that the men and women here are making a commitment to study your word. And this morning, Lord, as I bring just a little bit of encouragement from your word, I pray that you just speak through me. Lord, I pray that your words would roll off of my tongue like fire and that that fire would light a thousand fires and that the fires that are lit here today in Lee's Summit would go forward and begin to change the culture for Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for the children that you have entrusted to us, that you say clearly in your word belong to you. And Lord, the battle for the hearts and minds of our children is raging around us like I have never seen it before. And so Lord, I pray today that you'd fill us with courage. I pray that leaving today would be the next Esthers, the next Loises and Eunices, the next Joshuas and Daniels. Lord, that we would begin to say not only thank you for what you're doing, but what do you want me to do? And that we'd begin to listen for the still small voice. And Lord, as we were singing just a moment ago, I echo in my heart, Lord, that when the lies speak louder than the truth, you would remind us who we are in you. And as to that end, I pray that you would help me this morning as I bring a word of encouragement in Jesus' name. Amen. My husband and I were married in 1989. And when my, when my husband married me, we just, we were fresh, you know, in Bible college. We met at Multnomah School of the Bible in Portland, Oregon. And we were going to, you know, change the world for Jesus. And when Jay married me, he married a girl who was about as broken as a 19-year-old girl could be. I grew up in an abusive home. There were seven of us. I have, there are six sisters and one brother. And really, this is a fun fact to know. Uh, all of my sisters are H's and I'm the oldest. So Heidi, Heather, Holly, Haley, Hope, Hillary. It's okay, it's okay, it's all right. Our kids, Savannah, Sierra, Skylar, Spencer, Summer, Sydney, Sailor. <laughs> My husband's family, Jay, Jerry, Jessica, Jasmine, Jay, and it's a sickness, just pray for us. <laughs> when my daughter had her first baby, you know, she named him Noah, and I was like, oh, so what's coming next? She's like, yeah, we're not doing that. The curse ends here. <laughs> so now I've got a Noah and a Wesley and a Juniper, and little baby Thatcher is due to make his appearance on the 4th of July this year, which I was like, something's going on. St. John's having a grandbaby on the 4th of July. I consider that a good sign. But the reason I tell you a little bit about who I am is because I want you to know I'm not somebody who came from a home where I saw mothering being modeled for me very well. My mom was very, very distracted just trying to keep peace in our home. My grandparents had a tremendous influence in my life and I am standing here today because of the prayers of my grandparents. What you are doing, men and women, in shepherding this generation is you're building a legacy that will reverberate for generations to come. In fact, I think it reverberates into eternity because God has called you to shepherd this generation. And I wanna start out today in the book of 2 Timothy because Paul was getting ready to help a young man take his place out on the battlefield. Now I hear a lot of you saying, boy, things are so hard right now. I've never seen anything like this in the United States. And boy, it just can't get any worse. Yes, it can. Yes, it can. Paul knew a thing or two about how bad it could be. And in fact, as he wrote the book of 2 Timothy, he was coming to the end of his life, soon to be executed under the direction and command of Nero. 
You see, Christians were being persecuted, tortured, and killed for their faith as Paul is getting young Timothy ready to take his place out on the battlefield. But the Bible records that Timothy did not learn God's word through osmosis. And Paul recognizes it in Timothy. So let's look together at the book of 2 Timothy, starting in chapter 1. To Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers day and night. I wanna stop right there because it's interesting to me to note that the Apostle Paul was committed and devoted to prayer. He prayed day and night. And whenever it was night or wherever it was day, Paul could be found in prayers. Paul spent a lot of his time in prison. And so my hunch is that the prisoners around him heard him crying out to the Lord. I wonder how many people hear God's people crying out to the Lord right now. You see, your voice is needed. For a long time, my husband and I have been shepherding ministry to families. There's a verse in the Psalms that says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Your voice is needed. I was talking to a young mom out here signing a book a few minutes ago and she was saying, boy, that silent majority. And I'm like, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but I sure wish the silent majority would stop being silent. Your voice is needed. Your children need to hear you proclaim the word boldly. They need to hear you praying day and night for this country, for our children, for your grandchildren, and for the future of this nation that we call home. You see, the Bible teaches us that God is not silent regarding the issues that we are facing right now. And as the, as the verse continues, Paul says, I'm greatly desiring to see you. He's talking to Timothy, right? Being mindful of your tears that I might be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. I love that, he's, that he notices that, that, that uh, Timothy's faith just didn't happen. First, it was in his grandmother Lois, and then it was in his mother Eunice. And the Bible records in Timothy a little bit later on in the passage that they instilled into him the knowledge of the word of God. And so that when he became an adult, it was already in him. And Paul acknowledges that. Paul said, I've seen it in your grandmother, I've seen it in your mother, and I'm persuaded now that I see it in you. And then he goes on to say, therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. It's interesting to me to note, as I think about what God is doing in this generation, that we have been living in a very soft time for Christians. We know that soft times produce soft men. And we are certainly seeing that in the culture right now. Hard times produce men and women of valor. And we are coming into a very difficult season in our nation. And in fact, we're living through a lot of difficulty right now. But God is not silent. He's not sleeping. You were born for this. Every single one of you. And in fact, you are raising a generation of children right now, moms, that generations previous to this one could not have even seen coming. We are having open discussions in our country right now about whether or not there's such a thing as male and female. And yet the Bible teaches us that there in fact is such a thing. In the book of Genesis, which the entire Bible rests on the book of Genesis, I hope you study the book of Genesis because so many of the questions we're wrestling with right now are answered in that very first book of the Bible. And in fact, God said, I made them male and female in my image. 
For this reason, a man should leave his father and his mother and be united to his wife, and the two should become one flesh. You see, marriage was God's idea. Male and female is God's idea. Is it any wonder that they are under attack in the culture? You see, this is not a battle between human beings. And we can scream at each other all day long on Facebook and lob bombs across the internet at each other. But this is a spiritual battle. And spiritual battles require spiritual weapons. You cannot fight a spiritual battle with a carnal weapon. And I'm just talking to myself right now, Lord, I hear you. Facebook is a carnal weapon. It is. It makes us feel better for a second. But it's not having an impact in eternity. Moms, listen to me. Your children are being targeted. They are. They're being targeted in the media. They're being targeted in the school system. They're being targeted in our universities. You need to know, men and women, where you send your kids to college because it matters. Because the lies that they heard in grade school and and high school are solidified when we send them to Christian universities who do not understand basic truth and can't defend it. You have an opportunity right now to speak truth into the lives of your children, but you can't pass on what you don't possess. And if we want our children to be able to stand against the lies in the culture, we have to do something very, very precious. We need to learn the Bible for ourselves. You see, for the last several generations, I have observed, my husband was a pastor for nearly 20 years, and we observed with quite uh, an amount of shock and dismay as we lulled our Christians to sleep. We took our children to school and we dropped them off at school and we said, you can take care of the reading, writing, and the arithmetic, except for we all know education is discipleship. It is way more than reading, writing, and arithmetic. And then we bring our children to church and we drop it off, them off and we say, hey, the youth pastor can do this, except for God said, mom and dad, this was your responsibility. And I love Pastor Phil and I love the messages he brings in the heart of getting you guys to study God's word, but it's not Pastor Phil's job to suit you up for war. It's your job. It's your job. Because as you suit up for war, you do it every day by just being in the word. The Bible says that the word of God is a lamp unto your feet and a light to your path. And if ever we needed a lamp for our feet and a light for our path, the time is now. And so as you learn and as you study God's word, don't just do it on Sunday. We don't go out of here all filled up with with spiritual wisdom. When we've been in the Word, we feel pretty good about ourselves and we go home and we put it on a shelf and it gathers dust until we come back next Sunday. I was saying in the first service that my husband and I have experienced a lot of loss in the last couple of years, particularly in the last six months. And there were moments and weeks even, months, and I told my husband, it's so easy for me first thing in the morning to pick up my phone, roll over, unplug it, open it up, check my email, check Facebook, look at my text messages. My Bible feels like it weighs a thousand pounds. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? It's because the moment that you are conscious in the morning, the spiritual battle for where your heart will go that day begins. And we cannot give our children what we don't have. You've got to learn the Bible for yourself. You want your children to know God's word, mama? Let him see you in his word every day. Let them catch you taking little glimpses alone with the Lord as you're reading in the quiet places of your living room or as you're reading in your bedroom. My husband has often told me that he would come out of his bedroom in the morning and find his mama always in the same spot in the living room opening up her word. And you know what? She's 79 years old and she's still doing that. And my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren are watching her do it. You see, it matters. 
If you want to pass on a spiritual legacy for your children, it starts right now with you. This is a picture of my grandmother. This is, uh, her name was Eunice, and she named my mom Bunny, and I don't know why. <laughs> there were a lot of jokes in my family, though, because my mom Bunny went on to have seven children, and we thought, well, that was what happened. <laughs> Of course, I have seven children too, and my name's Heidi, so I don't know about the Swiss goat herder fit in there, but whatever. <laughs> but I often think about my grandmother's legacy in my life, because I'm telling you what, you guys, my grandmother prayed for me. She instilled a sense of understanding of who I was, because as I was growing up, I longed to hear from my dad that he loved me. I just wanted to hear him say it one time. Heidi, I love you. I'm so proud of you. And I didn't hear those words and didn't hear those words. And my grandmother would say, God loves you. God made you special. Do you know how I know, Heidi? It's right here in his word. And she would open up his word, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. She said, Heidi, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. And I was like, really? Do you think so, Grandma? She's like, Absolutely. Absolutely. And she began to help me see who I was and I needed her to tell me who I was because when I met my husband at the tender age of 18, I had experienced already so much suffering in my life. I didn't think I could ever be a mother. And in fact, just for fun, I brought a little picture for you guys to enjoy. This is my husband and I in 1988. <laughs> Jay's like, why? <laughs> but we were babies. That's what I want you to see. We were babies. A lot of us are having babies when we're babies and we think we can't do the thing. I don't understand why God gave Heidi St. John seven children. I cannot keep houseplants alive. That's a fact. <laughs> Listen, I'm a homeschool mom. You want to find out how completely wicked you are? Homeschool your children. <laughs> You're going to find out really fast. I looked at all the other homeschool moms and they're grinding wheat into flour. The only homeschool moms can make fun of other homeschool moms. That's a pro tip for you. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is God calls us out of our comfort zone. If you're in here today and you're like, man, it wasn't modeled for me. I don't even think I know the word of God very well or I haven't done a good job in the past. Congratulations, you're right where God wants you. Because he is writing a story on your life, precious mom. He's writing a story. He wants to bring healing where there wasn't any before. Because God will heal you, and through that, you will be in the process of bringing up your children to know who they are in Christ. It's a precious thing to be able to speak into the lives of the next generation. My grandparents would pray for us. They would spend time with us. All, all of my sisters, and as they continued to grow, there was so much suffering and so much sorrow in my family. The pictures could never, ever really do it justice. But I love this picture especially because both of my grandparents are home with the Lord now. And this was my grandmother in her Mrs. Doubtfire years. <laughs> she was in them for a long time. <laughs> there was really nothing that could be done. We tried. But you know what? I'll never forget the love in their eyes. They loved my mother as best they could, and they loved me. And because of the love of my grandparents and the work of the Holy Spirit in my life, my children are walking with the Lord. Jay and I have, our family is growing exponentially, as you can see. That's little juniper that my son-in-law is holding in the front with the Jay. I, I told Savannah, I go, now you have a juniper and you could do a Jerry and a Jasmine. And she was like, get behind me, Satan. I'm like, okay, I tried. <laughs> I tried. But the children in that picture are the most precious 
people in our lives. God is the author of family. God is the author of adoption. My grandfather was adopted. And he was always telling me how amazing he thought it was that someone would actually choose him. He was like, Heidi, listen, anyone can have a baby, but my mama chose me. She picked me up out of an orphanage. He said, I smiled real big and she picked me. <laughs> what a precious opportunity we have to teach our children how beautiful they are in the sight of the one who made them. And mom and dad, some of you are sitting in here today and you've got a kid who's, who's strong-willed, for goodness sake, we should have a big group hug. Anybody in here have a strong-willed child? Just group hug. Ooh. What doesn't kill you? I always tell my husband, make you wish you were dead. <laughs> but God wants you to engage your children with the word. He wants you to talk to your children when you rise up and when you lie down. Tell them about the truth of God's word. Because if you don't tell them the truth, mom, listen to me. The world is going to lie to them. Men, I want you to lean in for just a minute because the culture is lying to you about the role that you play in your home and that you play in the culture. The world is saying that masculinity is toxic, but every woman of God knows masculinity is anything but toxic. We need our men to be men. We need our men to be men. God has designed you as protectors and defenders and providers. And while the world and the sitcom is making fun of masculinity, God wants you to embrace it. The women in your life need you to do that. And as we look out into the culture and we see how our roles are being redefined, God continually says, come back to my word. Come back to my word. And defending the truth in the culture right now takes courage. My friend, Pastor Rob McCoy, said that in the absence of courage, truth is an orphan. And I can tell you right now, the truth is an orphan in the United States. Truth is an orphan when we embrace things like gender identity and our children are being told that they could be a narwhal on Thursday if they want to be. <laughs> you guys, I, I do com women's conferences all across the country. That is when I'm not running for Congress and my hair is on, on fire. We do women's conferences all across the country. And two years ago, I met a nurse. She worked for Kaiser Permanente. And she worked in the Gender Pathways Clinic and she told me one day with tears streaming down her face that she has been witness to the radical double mastectomy of 15-year-old girls. Where is the church? Mothers, fathers, tell your children the truth. You know what that's gonna require? It's gonna require courage. It's gonna mean that you're gonna have to engage in conversations that you don't want to engage in. Years ago when my daughter Sailor was just five years old. We were at the grocery store in Portland, Oregon. She looked over at the magazine rack as we're trying to make our way through the checkout stand. And she's looking at the cover of Vogue magazine and Bruce Jenner is on the cover. Some of you will remember this. Here's Bruce Jenner and the headline reads, call me Caitlin. And he's wearing a corset and his hair is long. And my daughter looks so perplexed by this because it is perplexing. And pretty soon she's tugging on my sweater and I'm like, I don't want to have this conversation. Certainly not in Portland, Oregon. I don't want to have it. And she was like, mama, mama, mama. And I looked down at her and I said, what, what is it, sweetheart? And she says, why is that man dressed like a princess? <laughs> you see, our kids inherently know that something is wrong. It takes a slew of lies to confuse a child, but that's exactly what's coming at him right now. And I remember the Holy Spirit just so poignantly and loudly was like, Heidi, talk to her now. And so I asked my older kids to continue loading up the groceries and I got right down really close to her, right in her beautiful brown 
innocent eyes. And I said, sailor, did God make you a boy or a girl? And she said, well, mama, he made me a girl. I said, that's right. You know what, sailor? He made you a girl on purpose. He loves you just the way you are. You're beautiful just the way you are. If God wanted to make you a boy, he'd have done it. But you know what? He was like, your mama, she needs another pretty girl. And she was like, do you think so? <laughs> I guess I do. And she said, well, what, what's, what's, what's he doing? And I said, some people are confused about whether they're a boy or a girl. You know what though? God could unconfuse him. We need to pray for him. God loves him. And she said, well, why doesn't someone tell him? You see, out of the mouths of babes, truth is coming forward. She knew, and I, we had a long conversation about friends and how bad company corrupts good character, and he needs better friends who need to tell him the truth. But the fact of the matter is that was not a conversation I would have picked to have with my five-year-old child. You guys are going to start to need to engage. When you see a lie in the culture, I don't care if it's on your television or on a magazine cover or coming off the internet, you call it out for what it is. You tell your children, oh boy, they said that, but that's not right. God said, I made you male and female in my image. You are loved. You are image bearers of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, sons and daughters of the Most High God. Your kids need to know it. They need you to guard your home as if your life depended on it, as if their lives depended on it, because guess what? They do. They do. What is coming in and out of your home? What's, what are you allowing in your home through media? What are you allowing to come into your hearts and minds through the internet? Mom and dad, you can't pass on what you don't possess. You want your kids to be free of the bondage that comes from pornography and free that comes from the bondage of watching things that we know take us away from what God would have us dwell on. And yet we want our children to be free, but we don't get free. And I'm praying for us today that God would set this generation of parents free because our children need us to be free. They need us to be free. The apostle Paul knew, that, knew this and he told the church in Philippi, listen, here's what you think about Philippians 4, 8, whatever's true, whatever's right, whatever's lovely, whatever's of good repute, whatever, anything that's excellent, think on these things. And as I watch what's happening to our children today, my heart is breaking. They are not surrounded by pure goodness and things that are excellent. So you know what you need to do, mama? You need to surround them with those things in your home. And you can do that. You're the one that guards your home. You guys are the gatekeepers of your home. I love these images. I'm gonna scroll through them sort of quickly for the next couple of minutes here, but this one in particular, the, the power of a praying mother. And if you look at the shadows that are cast on the wall, you can see the spiritual realities all around us. I think that if we could see with our naked eye what was happening spiritually around us, we would be flat on our faces right now. Because the reality is this battle is spiritual. Paul said that in Ephesians. We do not wrestle against a flesh and blood enemy, but against the prince of the power of this air, of the air. We are wrestling right now against demonic forces, the Bible says, in heavenly places. And the answer is prayer and worship and knowledge of the word. Those are your primary weapons, men and women. Use them. I love this image of the shadow of a little girl watching her mother pour her heart out. And I remember my grandmother doing the same thing for me when I would go and visit her. She would tuck me in a niner. Her sheets were always so clean and starched. I don't know how she had the time to do that. Mrs. Doubtfire. She really was Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> and she would pull these starched sheets up over just under, my, just under my chin. 
And she would lean in and she would touch my head and she would touch my back and she would pray over me and I can still smell the mentholatum. (laughs) And she would pray, Lord, help Heidi know who she is in you. Watch over her, keep her safe. Let her know how much you love her. She poured her heart out night after night over me. And God ministered to my heart through the prayers of my grandmother. Long after she stopped being able to recognize my face, I remembered the words that she would pray over me. See, sometimes I think we think it's not enough, but it is. Check this picture out. This is a dad praying over his son. But if you look really closely, I'm going to zoom in on it for a minute. You will see that there is an image right here of a demonic angel and an angel of the Lord. And he's holding his hands up as, his, as this young boy's father is praying. And he's saying, you shall not pass. You shall not pass. I think we have forgotten who we are. You have access to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The, ma- the battle that you see raging around you right now is nothing for him. He's equipped you already. The Lord's not up in heaven going, man, I picked the wrong generation for this one. No, he loves you. He put you here right now for such a time as this. You're here right now because God wants to use you. He wants to write a generational story on your life that your great-grandchildren, should the Lord tarry, will be talking about. Parenting is an eternal occupation. It bears with it an eternal consequence. And we need to be walking in right relationship with the Lord. Parenting is hard. I mean, I love to tell you guys that there's an easy button. How many of you guys have found it yet? Anybody find it? No? I can remember so many times I would call my husband up and work and we're, we're, we're working on a character trait with our son. And one day in particular, I thought, we've got it. He's doing the thing. I called my husband up at his office at the church and I was like, babe, Skylar's doing the thing we're praying for. And as I'm on the phone with him, Skylar does the exact opposite of the thing he was doing. And I was like, never mind, false alarm, no fruit, call you later. It's exhausting. Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep staying in there with your kids. Parenting is humbling. How many of you guys have been humbled by your kids? Right? Listen, if it hasn't humbled you yet, you're doing it wrong, okay? (laughs) It's just doing it wrong. When your children take you to the edge, and they will, when you say the thing you thought you'd never say, and you will, remember to apologize to your children. Remember to go to your children and make it right. You are the first example, men and women, that these kids will see of what it means to humble yourself and say, you know what, I'm sorry that I did that. That was wrong. An apology does not look like, I'm sorry I did that. I wouldn't have done it except for you did, blah, 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 blah. No, no, no. An apology just looks like owning it up and saying, you know what? I mean, I remember one time telling my own daughter, I was like, you know, I said, uh, Summer, because she's the one I had to apologize to most often. I said to Summer, I was like, you know what, honey? Truth is, your mama's just a sinner. (laughs) I'm working on it. (laughs) And she was like, that's okay, mom. I know I make you sin. (laughs) See, sometimes they just do it for you. So it works out, right? Go to your children and apologize to them when it's needed. You also need to learn to correct your children. The world is allergic to correction. We're just allergic to it. We want to get a trophy for participating. We need to start correcting our children. The Bible says to train them and teach them in righteousness. 
And you do that through apology. You do that through training your children in the word of God. You do that through being in the word yourself. And then you need to learn to, to yield to the Holy Spirit. Listen, I'm always telling parents, God's ideas for your children might not be like your ideas. God's plans for your children may not be like God's plans that you thought he would have. The Bible teaches us in Psalm 127 that our kids have been given to us like arrows in the hands of a warrior. In fact, he says, blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. You see, the world says that children are a burden, but God says, oh, no, 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 they're a blessing. You guys, I believe and continue to pray. We are going to live to see the reversal of Roe versus Wade in our lifetime. The stain of abortion that has been on, the, on our nation for now 50 years. God is raising up a generation of young people who have access to ultrasounds and they can see that life truly does begin in the womb. And God says that your children are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. That before we ever laid eyes on our children, God had a plan and a purpose for their life. Which is why you don't have to be afraid, by the way. It's why you don't have to live in fear. Because the Bible teaches you that your days have already been ordained for you. They're already numbered for you. A dear friend of mine told me a couple of weeks ago as I was getting ready to do a congressional uh, run and it was stressful and I was frustrated. He's like, Heidi, you are immortal until God calls you home. You're not going home a minute before God says it's time. Do your kids know that that's true? They need to. Jim Elliott knew that it was true. I love, I love the story of Jim Elliott. Many of you guys will remember him. He was an American missionary, one of five people that were killed during Operation Aka, an attempt to evangelize in the jungles of Ecuador. And he wrote this letter to his parents right before he left for Ecuador. I do not wonder that you were saddened at the word of my going to South America. There is nothing else than what the Lord Jesus warned us about when he told the disciples that they must become so infatuated with the kingdom and following him that all other allegiances must become as though they are not. And he never excluded the family tie. In fact, those loves which we regard as closest, he told us must become as hate in comparison to our desire to uphold his cause. Grieve not then if your sons seem to desert you, but rejoice rather seeing the will of God done gladly. Remember how the psalmist described children? He said that they were as a heritage from the Lord and that every man should be happy who had a quiver full of them. And what is a quiver full of but arrows? And what are arrows for but to shoot? And so with the strong arms of prayer, draw the bowstring back and let your arrows fly, all of them, straight at the enemy's hosts. I'm going to end tonight with the epilogue from my book, Becoming Momstrong. 3 John chapter 1, verse 4. I could have no greater joy than to hear that my children are following the truth. This verse was given to me in an oh-so-90s frame when I was pregnant with our first child. I thought the sentiment was sweet, so I hung it on the wall near our daughter's crib. And as the years passed, I started noticing newsletters with this title being circulated in Christian circles. That's nice, I thought. I mean, of course I wanted my kids to follow the truth. But still, to me, the phrase, no greater joy, was just another Christianese phrase. We threw it around like the word grace and the phrase, bless your heart. Listen, I'm from the Northwest. It took me a long time to figure out that bless your heart just means you're stupid. Sweet, but not significant. Poignant, but not powerful. 
And while I appreciated them, I never really fully realized the power of the words penned by the Apostle John until my daughter became a mother herself. Becoming a grandmother for the first time opened my eyes to the fact that all this mothering really is seasonal. There comes a time when you hand the baton to the next generation and then you wait. You wait to see if all the seeds you planted in faith and watered with your tears in the middle of the night are going to bear fruit. You watch to see if your tiny trees are going to take root in the firm soil of God's word and become like the tree planted by streams of water that the psalmist wrote about so long ago. Isn't that the hope of every Christian mom? It can be excruciating all this waiting, but don't give up. Don't stop praying. God is still at work. Not long ago, I got a call late one evening. It had been a long day and I wasn't sure if I wanted to answer the phone. You know the kind of day I'm talking about, two steps forward, three steps back. I was exhausted from refereeing arguments between our children. The dishes were stacking up in the sink and I was feeling, dare I say it, angry at one of the younger children for tracking mud all over a freshly cleaned carpet in my entryway. I glanced at the phone. Our oldest daughter's name appeared on the caller ID and so I took the call. Mom, do you have a minute? Sure. For the next half an hour, we talked about a new recipe she'd found for a slow cooker, an idea she had for rearranging the living room, a rash she'd found on the baby, and other things. And in the midst of talking, she was interrupted no fewer than five times by her toddler and infant son. Sorry, Mom, Savannah said, I'll be right back. I waited, unable to resist chuckling at the oh-so-familiar conversations I was hearing my daughter have with her little boy. Noah, put your underwear on! (laughs) Noah, don't hit your brother. Be gentle. Put that back, please. I laughed. The more things change, the more they stay the same. A few more minutes went by. Sorry, Mom. I'll be right back. Noah, put that down. What did Mommy ask you to do? Noah, God wants you to obey. All of a sudden, it hit me. Joy. That no greater kind of joy. It's something we get when we've been planting and watering for a long time. As I listened to my daughter training her son in righteousness, I was filled with a joy that made the muddy carpet in my entryway seem worth cleaning again. I was reminded that there really is a divine purpose in parenting, and that's to see truth passed on to a new generation, a generation beyond the one we're currently shepherding. You see, that's God's heart for you. That's what a legacy looks like. It's learning the Bible for yourself, engaging your children with it, guarding your home, learning to say that you're sorry, correcting your children. Then finally, the letting go process comes and we begin to yield our children to the plans and purposes that God has for them. That's what you're doing, mama. And so if you're tired today, I just want to encourage you. God wants to refresh you. He wants you to know that he sees you. Don't give up. Hang in there because your children are worth it. They're worth every sacrifice that you'll make for them. They're worth every tear that you're going to cry. They're going to be worth every argument you get into in the fetal position that you rock back and forth in at the end of the day. They're worth that too. God says your children are precious in His sight. And He looked down from heaven and in all of His wisdom, He said, you are the perfect mom for this little girl or this little boy. And to you men, I cannot encourage you enough. The women of this generation need you desperately. Your leadership is needed. Your strength is needed. It is needed now more than has ever been needed, but you can't pass on what you don't possess either. Be in the word. 
and let it transform you. A generation of men and women who have been transformed by the word will transform the generations to come and we will see revival in this nation. And God wants to do it. He's in the business of transforming people. He loves you. He loves you. As you guys leave today, I hope you take that with you. Because when the days are hard and they will get hard, you need to hear that still small voice like my grandmother speaking to me. He loves you. If God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. Would you guys close in prayer with me? Father, I thank you that your mercies are new every morning. That you look down from heaven and you could have chosen anybody to shepherd the children that you gave us, but you said, no, that girl Heidi, that girl that can't keep houseplants alive, that girl that was abused and mistreated and lied to, I'm gonna give her seven kids. I'm gonna show her exactly how good I am. Thank you, Lord, that that's your heart for every mother in this room. Lord, I pray for our families right now who are desperately in need of a touch from your word and from your spirit. And Lord, I pray that the, that the washing of the word would wash over us today and that we would leave changed. We love you, Lord. We invite you into every aspect of our lives. And we say thank you for what you've done and who you are and what you will do. And we say thank you in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure and subscribe and share with a friend. We hope today's message inspired and challenged you. Let's go be living proof of a loving God to a watching world. For more information about Abundant Life, visit livingproof.co or follow us on social media at Abundant Life LS.